three, two, one. What's going on, everyone? Hope you're having a great day. Welcome to another episode of the Phenomenal Podcast. My name's Fionn, as you all know. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the first few podcasts. I know I've definitely enjoyed making them. I've been a bit nervous putting them out. It is a, a bit of a nerve-wracking thing putting yourself out there. But nonetheless, I'm enjoying it. I still have the same creaky desk. We haven't made it that far yet. You know, maybe in a couple of hundred episodes' time, I won't have a creaky desk anymore. But uh, so everything's been going well, you know. Uh, we're in summer now in Australia. It is hot as all hell. I think it's about 25, 26 degrees today. Uh, and, you know, being a, a bigger guy, I struggle like anything. Yeah, it's 25 degrees today. I struggle like hell in the um, in the warmer weather. But we we persevere. It'll be fine. I'm sitting here with the aircon on. I normally have a window open, but it's too loud outside. There's too many birds. Um, I actually have a really nice view out my window. Uh, so I encourage you guys to spend more time outside. I mean, that's something I've been trying to do. Even if it's just, you know, being a kid and jumping on the trampoline from time to time and just, you know, getting outside, breaking up my work a bit. Uh, today, I want to talk about uh, a pretty big issue in Australia, and it is an issue, and it's poverty in Australia. Um, and often we see, with poverty, we, we see the, uh, you know, the UNICEF ads in for African children who need drinking water and um, drinking water and food. And um, I just want to state right now, by no means doing this podcast am I minimizing their situation or saying that our our needs are more important than theirs I'm not saying that at all I'm just saying right now in Australia which is the country I'm living in these are the issues now what sort of encouraged me to uh to do this podcast today was over the last couple of weeks uh the second season of an Australian documentary on SBS called Struggle Street has been running and I heard about it and I thought I'd watch it, and it genuinely, uh, being 19 now and not a kid anymore, I could definitely um, respect their issues a lot better. And it, it man, it was crazy. It was, it was one of those things. It, it runs over six episodes. Um, for those of you who aren't, um, who haven't seen it, I would 100% encourage you to see it. Every episode is about 55 minutes, and you can get them free on SBS um, on demand. I'm not paid to say that or anything. It's just a really good website. It's 100% free, um, free registration, free uh, login. Uh, I have a good account. I absolutely loved using that account, and uh, um, I love the website. There's some really good documentaries, but the main point of this is with Struggle Street, there's six episodes, about an hour long each, and they follow different people in um, you know, different family setups, different paths, but all the one common situation is that they're one of the three, um, there are a few of the three million people in Australia of the 25 million of our population, uh, who are living under the poverty line. So, uh, I'm not too, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the poverty line actually is in Australia. Um, but oh, actually I've got it here. I've got, I'm on the Australian council of social service website and poverty can be measured in different ways, including as a measure of income or wealth. Um, using the poverty lines or by looking at what essential items people are missing out on through lack of income, uh, known as deprivation. Uh, the 2016 report, uh, uses as the main poverty measure, the number of people living or below the poverty line of 50% of median household income. All right. So that's the poverty line. 
Okay, and it equated to a disposable income of less than $400 a week for a single adult. That's pretty high. In fairness, that, I don't think those statistics are too accurate. If yeah, Like $400 disposable income a week is actually quite a high disposable income. But nonetheless, so I was watching Struggle Street and... Um, you know, so they had a family who both parents, uh, it was in the Queensland suburb of Inala, which is one of the lower socioeconomic, um, socioeconomic areas up there. And, uh, and there was, I think their unemployment is about 16%, which is quite high. And we, um, we had a look at uh, a family that was, um, both recovering ice addicts, uh, currently um would have been homeless except for there was um there's a building called the Kohar shed run by uh two queensland immigrants uh who house new zealand uh new zealand immigrants because if you arrived in new zealand um i'm sorry rather if you arrived from new zealand into australia after 2001 you're not actually entitled to the full um unemployment benefits that an australian citizen would be entitled to um, so that's the issue with those guys is they were both Kiwis moved to Australia. They have four kids, um, and they weren't entitled to entitled to full benefits from, um, from Centrelink, which is our, for those of you who aren't listening in Australia right now, um, there's probably not many of you, but, but I just thought I'd make it clear anyway. Uh, Centrelink is sort of our, um, it's our social justice system. So basic, oh, there's probably not a great way of putting it. Uh, our social welfare system is probably a better way of putting it. Um, basically it's the government's way of helping redistribute income from higher income earners down to low income earners. So we can, you know, attempt to minimize issues such as poverty and hunger. Um, but according to the statistics, the system doesn't work too well. Um, I'm not going to question that. I think, to be honest, I think Australia for a lot of people is the, one of the greatest countries in the world to live in, but for a lot of people, they were just born with terrible situations, you know, um, you know, I was looking at these four kids and it kills you because, you know, they, you can choose everything in this world. You can choose your job, your friends, how you look to a certain extent, um, you know, your hobbies. The only thing you can't choose is your parents and what you're born into. And I'm extremely grateful and blessed I was born into, you know, parents with, you know, without any drug addictions or like just parents who wanted the best for me and were selfless with their time and energy um and you know the this family got ki- got um got screwed with two people who were you know um their dad was in jail um you know he i think for dealing ice for selling ice here in australia and it was just a, a crazy crazy thing you know what i mean he um they're living under the poverty line they were living in the um garage of the koha shed and it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing because you, these are the things you don't see. You know, where I'm from, I went to private school. These are the things I never saw. You know, I was used to, if I went to one of my mates' places, it was a big sort of, you know, big house, big backyard, possibly a waterfront property. You know, we're not talking about people who are doing their HSC while living in a garage with their six other family members and trying to study at 10 at night. Um, when everyone else is running around the room, this is like, it's a, it's an insane thing. Um, there was an Aboriginal lady who was getting evicted from a house. Uh, my personal opinion on that is, should she have been evicted? Probably not, probably not so suddenly. However, 
um, it was because she and her daughter were smoking marijuana. Like, if you if the government's giving you a place to a place to a place to live, don't like it's probably your best idea to not uh, break the law like that. <laughs> I'd say. Um, but I think the story for me that really just killed me was um, Michael's story. So for those of you who have watched the show, you'll know Michael's story. For those of you who haven't, I'm going to try and give a really quick rundown. So basically, Michael uh, is 44 years old. He lives in Melbourne. And what happened was he was bullied growing up and like really badly bullied at boarding school. So, And then what happened was he, um, when he was about 19, 18, 19, I think, to try and fit in, uh, he tried heroin for the first time, uh, and obviously became a heroin addict. Eventually, got off heroin. Is now on methadone, um, but he, you know, he just you feel bad. You feel so sorry for him. He seems like the nicest guy ever. Really respectful towards the cameramen. Uh, you know, loves his dogs. You know, that's one of the great things I'll, I actually like to see. Is he was living in a house that was a bit, you know, a bit messy, a bit scrappy. Um, you know, but his dogs had their food, his dogs had like their fresh, um, you know, their fresh coats, their fresh raincoats, you know, he was living in like pretty poor clothes, pretty tatty clothes, but man, that just shows the, the things you'll do when something means, is something is important to, you You know, I'd, I'd die for my dog. Um, and he was the only family, I mean, they were the only family he has, which is the main, which was the main part of the first episode was because Michael was, um, he says, oh, it's a bit of a shit day today. I've got to bury mum. So, you know, that instantly sort of sets you back and you think, well, this is, this has gotten a bit heavy already. And then, so I'm watching it and, you know, he was wearing this sort of old suit. He'd obviously didn't have money to buy a good, to buy a suit. That's not really an option. Um, and he, you know, he just said, oh man, I've got to find a pair of shoes. I don't have any shoes. So he eventually found these shoes. Um, and then we move on to where he's trying to get to the funeral and um, he doesn't, obviously doesn't have a car, so he takes the bus. So he's trying to get to the right um, bus line and he just can't get to the right bus line. And he realizes eventually he's going to, whatever bus he gets, he's going to be about half an hour late to his mum's funeral. So it was at this point where a bit of controversy happened here in Australia. Um, you know, news newspapers were reporting it. And you thought to yourself, this guy's got a camera crew with him. Why the hell are they not pay- saying, look, mate, fuck the documentary. Let's just pay for you to, um, you know, get a taxi or get an Uber or anything. Like, it's your mum's funeral. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not like, oh, you know, I've just got to show up to show up to pick up my shoes or pick up my, um, my dry cleaning. You know, it's his mum's funeral. It's a pretty important situation. And, you know, it hurts you that, um, that they didn't help him, but they eventually got there. He broke down a couple of times, you know, that he was really disappointed in himself and, uh, he just felt like a loser was what he was saying. Man, I'll tell you what, the one scene that got to me was he's walking, he's sort of power walking towards where the service is. It was a rainy day. It was inside. He was getting like, he was getting rained on when he was walking around trying to find the bus. It was a crazy thing. And, um... And he's walking towards the, the the service, and obviously the camera crew isn't allowed in on the service. And you can just hear on his um, microphone on his shirt that he's just crying while he's power walking towards his mum's service. And you're just thinking, this is fucking insane. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
people live like this. People live in constant disarray um, because they made a couple of mistakes or in his case, he, he got bullied, you know, and that just sucks. That sucks for everyone getting bullied. I remember there was, I didn't get bullied, bullied when I was younger, but there was a couple of times I got bullied in terms of like, um, people would just say shit to me about my appearance and that, and it, and it would bother me. You know, I was always a bit of a sensitive kid and it would bother me. Now I'm bulletproof. You know what I mean? Like you can't say anything to me and it would bother me. But, um, and then, you know, Michael, so in the, in a few other episodes, uh, it's sort of a battle for his will. Um, things start coming up, things go down. He can't get his rent money. He starts getting anxious about everything. Um, but everything all sort of balances out a little bit. Uh, he was on the, go- uh, the Australian government's fund to get a pe- new pair of teeth. He got his new teeth. He looked good. He felt more confident, which was nice to see. You know, it's really nice to see someone instantly become more confident because they're self-conscious. Obviously, because with um, with methadone, for those of you who don't know, uh, I had to do, do some Google research. Methadone is really sweet and it rots your teeth. So you that's the thing with, um, you see a lot of people who, if they don't have teeth, people are obviously people are straight away like, oh, he's on heroin. It's actually not so much that. It's more that they were on heroin and they've come off onto methadone, which is obviously sweet and rots your teeth. So he had no teeth and he didn't really have any confidence. And, um, and it was great to see him, uh, get his teeth and, you know, he got, and then he got his mum's car. His mum's car got sideswiped by someone when he was on his way to register it and get insurance for it. And you just think to yourself, how did, does life even get worse than that? Do you know what I mean? You've got no family, hardly any money. You're on your, something has finally gone your way in your life. And it's only because your mum died is you're getting this car and then some old bitch fucking runs into you. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is crazy things. These are crazy things. I can't even imagine living like that. But, um, you know, all in all, it was a pretty heavy, heavy series. I enjoyed it from the perspective of it was real. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't watch um, reality TV, like that's all fake. For those of you who think that, you know, reality TV, such as, I don't know, keeping up with the Kardashians or Geordie Shaw. If you think that's real, I promise you keeping up with the Kardashians is as scripted as star Wars. Like it is so freaking scripted. It's not even okay. And unfortunately a lot of people think that's real life. Well, it's not real life. Geordie Shaw is not real life. Um, struggle street. This is real life. Do you know what I mean? Like MTV don't produce Struggle Street. SBS do. And SBS, I would say, is probably one of the the only trustworthy um, news sources in Australia. I think, you know, in a different episode, we'll get into whether news news resources are actually... Uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Legitimate or um, trustworthy is probably a better word. Um, but... Look, if you if you want to look at it, turn on the six o'clock news tonight and look at how many look at how many ads are on the six o'clock news on Channel Nine. And if you think their main goal is to deliver Australian news, then I don't really, I don't know what show you're watching because I promise you their only prerogative is to sell ad space. Ad space. That's it. That's their only goal. And unfortunately, business has overtaken reality, and it just shouldn't be that way. But back to Struggle Street. Because I could go all day on how business has corrupted, you know, 
has corrupted news resources and you know most of it's fake like a lot of a lot of things aren't real but in terms of struggle street i think i'd really encourage you guys to watch it it's on sbs on demand uh you can just uh you can register for free it's easy i don't get any spam emails from them so it's it's like not even having a registration i'm stoked with it but the main thing that i was that was brought to my um attention was the concept of uh poverty in australia and obviously i said at the beginning of this podcast i said um we think about poverty as being you know i think i think there's a difference i think it's absolute poverty versus relative poverty and i believe absolute poverty is living on less than one us dollar a day so when we're talking about absolute poverty we're talking about um we're obviously talking about those individuals in africa who were you know, I'm just using Africa as an example. I know it's not limited to Africa, but we're talking about those individuals who are, you know, have to trek two hours for dirty water. You know, they don't have clean drinking water. They don't have food. Um, and then I think relative poverty is then obviously relative to your um, income. So that's how Australia determines it. Our relative poverty is uh, disposable income of less than $400 a week for a single adult. So the main thing I want to get across here is a lot of the situations had children. So of the 3 million people living in poverty in Australia, 731,000 are children. One in six, uh, which is 17.4% of children under the age of 15 live in poverty. Now that's a pretty... One in six children under 15 live in poverty. That's a pretty crazy statistic. Do you know what I mean? Um... I think that's a, an absolutely insane statistic. And, you know, I've lived in, you know, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I've lived in quite a sheltered upbringing. You know, I, I did go to public school for uh, up until year six. And there was a few people who I looked at and I, or who you saw and you knew they were obviously weren't from, um, their family life wasn't as uh, easy as mine was. Um but then I went to private school uh, for years seven to 12, so for high school. And to be honest, I went to a private school where there just wasn't any problem. There wasn't really any family problems. You know, the only drug problems, the, the only drug problems people at my school had was, you know, it was just any, they had the money to buy them. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't because they were addicted or because they were depressed. It's because they had the disposable income to buy them. So some of the key, so apparently child poverty is actually on the rise in Australia, which is definitely a worrying thing. Um, The poverty line in Australia uh, for a single adult is $426.30 a week. And for a couple of, for a couple with two children, it was $895 a week. Um, Here we go. Child poverty in Australia has increased by 2% over the decade 2003-4 to 2013-14. It's not a huge increase, but it still is an increase. Um, It's, fuck man, it's it's hard to take these statistics in because, especially from where I'm from, and this is obviously, whatever I'm saying is going to be biased towards where I'm from because your experiences influence your perspective. 
but the way I see it is I don't really know anyone, any of my friends who live in poverty, you know, who don't have food at night, who don't have a home, or they're living in um, transitional housing. Not, none of them have that. So it's a crazy thing when you watch Struggle Street. And I don't want to go for too long on this because I realize that it could bore some people. Um, and I'm not a social justice warrior. If anything, I'm more right-wing than I am left-wing. Um, in terms of, obviously, I run my own business, so I am somewhat of a capitalist. But, you know, I am one of those people, I think everyone should have a safe place to sleep and food to eat and water to drink. That's the bare minimum. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not into, you know, I don't, I don't think people should be able to live their whole life and not, and you know, not look for work and, you know, just bludge out because there are people they're known as dull bludgers here in Australia, as people call them. You know, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a supporter of that, but I am a supporter of trying to actually get people into work, trying to get people, um, to feel positively about donating money to people who need it, about trying to get these job get jobs for people. You know, I'd love for a business to employ people who aren't technically that employable. Do you know what I mean? It's there's so many hoops to hop through for these people, and once you get knocked off, it's so it's like a stampede. Everything just goes downhill, and then when you actually try and get back up the hill. No one's helping you that much. So in terms of how do we actually rectify these issues, it starts at the top. And this is my this is what I want to get into. So for those of you who don't know, our Prime Minister in Australia is Malcolm Turnbull. Malcolm Turnbull in 2005 had a combined net worth with his wife Lucy Turnbull of an estimated $133 million dollars. Every single year, the Australian government's remuneration tribunal adjusted the prime, minister, prime ministerial salary, raising it to its current amount of $527,852. Now, Malcolm Turnbull takes that $527,852. Now, I know a lot of you hate Donald Trump, who, who is the president of America. He does it for free. He's actually being the president of Australia, of America for free. Now, I know a lot of you, a lot of you social justice warriors are going to get triggered right now because everyone thinks that you can only be, you know, verge on the left and not be, um, you know, you can only verge on the left. And if you don't have that opinion that's left wing, you're a hundred percent wrong and you're a misogynist and you're sexist and racist. And I'm not a hundred percent left wing, but I'm, I'm certainly not sexist or racist or any of that shit. You know, what other 19-year-old is making a podcast about Australian poverty? Do you know what I mean? That's for anyone who wants to come after me and send me messages about that kind of shit. Who else is doing this? You know, I'm actually trying to raise awareness for these situations. Um, so the way I look at it is it starts at the top. If we want to be, and I'm telling you, that 500, that five, we'll say 500 grand for the sake of me not having to say $527,852 every five minutes, that 500 grand is taxpayer money. So the prime minister takes 500 grand of taxpayer money. And obviously this GDP and stuff like that come into it every single year. And he has a net worth of, 
That's a 2005 statistics. So that's 12 years ago, $133 million. You look at compound interest, um, trying to find a new statistic. Here we go. Come on. Where? All right, here we go. In 2015, his family had an estimated net worth of $180 million. And he still takes... (laughs) He still takes that 500 grand a year. Like that is just not acceptable. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, if you're a, an actual Aussie and you, you know, you've just worked your way up through the political ranks and you're not stacked, even if you're a millionaire, like even if you just have $1 million net worth and you're taking 500 grand a year, that's pretty reasonable. But if your net worth is $180 million there is not a chance you need that half a million a year who could be reinvested back into the people to try and improve our country. You know, this is the kind of thing that pisses me off. And this is what gives the Liberal Party a bad rap because at the end of the day, I'm just telling it the way it is. I'm not talking crap about anyone. I'm just shooting straight like I always do. At the end of the day, all politics is in Australia is there's hardly any difference between Labor and Liberal Fuck the Greens. Who even knows what the Greens are doing? But in terms of Labor and Liberal, they're hardly any different. All it is is boring white men in their 50s and 60s with grey hair or bald in suits. That's what it is. That is all it is. Nobody has a differing opinion because if you have any differing opinion, you're not going to get the votes of the people and you make all these promises. And then when you get into power... None of these, none of the promises are, you know, executed because you have to go through Parliament. You know, I'm not 100, percent but you have to go through the House of Reps, the the Senate. I'm not 100 percent certain about all this, so if anyone wants to call me out on it, feel free to, because I'll I'll admit right now I don't know I don't know much about um, the process of passing legislation. I did that in like year four, but I can't remember it obviously. So the way we rectify these issues is firstly we try and become a bit more vocal. You know, I'm doing this podcast and it, I know I'm not making much of a difference. I know that. And a lot of people would think I've done this for narcissistic purposes. Personally, I just do it because it's fun, but also because there's situations like this where I see an issue and it boils my piss. And what I'm, gonna tr- what I'm trying to do and think about it is I want to support Australian businesses. And by supporting Australian businesses, what people don't understand is if we can get Australian businesses to grow, they're going to grow to the point where they need to start taking on people. So if we can start, and then we can start employing people from lower socioeconomic situations, people from Struggle Street, that kind of that kind of situation. And then do you know what? And then the poverty line or the poverty statistics decrease. You know, we can make that three million. 1 million soon. And then we can make it as close to zero as possible. It's never going to be zero, is it? You know, that's just a fact. That's just the way the world works. We're never going to have zero people struggling in the world, struggling in Australia. Um, Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But it starts at the top. Malcolm Turnbull, sort your shit out, mate. $180 million and you still take half a mil from the government, I mean, from Australia people every year. Come, like that's just out of control, I think, I, because that's a for me, and the reason why that pisses me off a bit is for me as the Prime Minister of Australia, we don't have a president; we're part of the Commonwealth. So, as the Prime Minister, you're the spokesperson for the country. 
you know, we, you're the person that people look towards, and if you're on the news, people watch. But normally, the prime minister, when you're on, if you're on the news, people watch and listen to you because they need to know what's going on, and they assume that you know what's happening. The problem with all this is that you've got to be setting a better example for the people. Yeah, if you're taking, if your net worth is 180 mil and you're taking 500 grand every year, what incentive does someone who's making 200 grand a year have to donate? I don't know, a thousand, a thousand dollars a year. What what incentive do they have to donate that money when they look up at you and say, "Oh, well, you know, he's making this much, his net worth is that much. Well, I'm making nowhere near that amount of money. Why should I take my money and donate it?" Uh, these are the issues. You have to be setting a better example. And, you know, I hope this gets the Australian government because I'm being 100% honest here and I'm, I'm being, I'm just being honest. I'm a 19-year-old from Australia, living in Australia, seeing these issues. I understand that Struggle Street was edited, but like, trust me, we're looking at, situ- I knew there were situations in there that I hadn't seen before. And for a lot of people, that's their reality. And, and, and that's something we need to change. Everyone, we, we're a fortunate country. You know, my family is Irish. And my dad was telling me the other day about back in Dublin, um, you know, two people died freezing of pneumonia because they were homeless. Because obviously it's winter over there now. And you just think to yourself, like, this is out of control. This is absolutely insane. People are living homeless and I'm sitting here on here speaking into a microphone. But hell, if this is something I can do to try and spread awareness, then maybe I'm making a bit of a change. And soon I'll make more of a change. You know, maybe, I don't know, potentially volunteer at a soup kitchen or a coast shelter here on the Central Coast at some point. Because, I'm, look, I want to change. And one thing, I'm a, yes, I'm a capitalist. Yes, I'm a business, business owner. But most importantly, I'm a human being. And I want to see... I don't like, I don't care what anyone says. I don't like seeing anyone, you know, struggling or, you know, feeling crap about themselves because, you know, they don't have the clothes that they need or the food they need. Um, they don't have the opportunity to go to uni because for a lot of these guys, look, yes, uni does provide you with hex debt, but that's the thing with hex. You end up with like 60 grand in debt and you're paying that back. If you think that, Michael on Struggle Street can can afford sixty grand. He he probably won't make sixty grand for the rest of his life. He's forty four. So if you think he's ever gonna have the money to pay Hex, then you're freaking retarded. And look, I'm not gonna go too much longer. We've been going for thirty minutes now. Um, but th- this is it. This is an official. Just the way I see things. And I'm not a social justice warrior. I'm not someone who gets offended by things, but I'm a human being and I don't, it just hurts me to see people living like that. And, but most importantly, it hurts me to see the people at the top don't give a shit and they don't, (laughs) they just don't. When your net worth is 180 mil and you're taking half a mil isn't crap to that. Do you know what I mean? Half a mil is nothing to 180, 180 mil. So look, we need it. What needs to happen? We need to start spreading the word. We need to start caring before. Look, and I know everyone's getting triggered about these refugees and everything, but look, how can we accept more people into the country? We can't even sort out our own people yet. 
Do you know what I mean? We can't sort out the people who are already living in Australia. So what? if you think that the Australian government could, could you know, house these people, give them a good life, how, we can't even do that with our own people. So how do you think we can do that with people who are trying to get into Australia? And look, I sympathize with those people. They've fled war-torn countries and they've come here for a better life. But at the end of the day, if we can't look after them, is the life here that really that good? Or are they just going to end up being, you know, on Struggle Street in five years? You know, because I don't care what anyone says, that's not a life anybody deserves. I think that's a terrible life. And what we need to do is start, obviously, start spreading the word, um, you know, start doing things that are, just start being kinder to other, each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm making a statement right now. The next 10 homeless people I see, I'll probably have to be in Sydney, but I'm, you know, I'll go up to them, start talking to them, potentially buy them some food if they look, if they feel hungry. You know, this, I just need to be, we need to be more human. Yeah. Everyone's on their phone, dicking around on social media, you know, just scrolling through being narcissistic. At the end of the day, who who cares about anything? We have to be sympathetic and empathetic, have empathy towards each other because, and this isn't like a, you know, a Greenpeace self-love bullshit, you know, anti-war thing. This is a, we need to stop fucking tearing each other down and start just trying to be supportive of each other. Because, you know, if we are what we say we are, which is the most superior animal in the world, then we need to start acting like it. And, you know, I could go into the people who are trying to bring the world down you know, terrorists and shit like that. But to be honest, I'll probably get incriminated for talking about that kind of stuff on the podcast. Um, so basically we've been going for about 33 minutes, 34 minutes now. I just want to thank you guys. If you've listened this long, I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate the support thus far. Um, I've had so much fun making these episodes. This is a bit of a loaded episode. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed making it and I'll catch you guys in the next one.